0: Well, another week, another brand new podcast for you. So this week I've got a a great recording. So I had on uh, Steve Evans as our guest today. And so Steve Evans is a podcast listener and he's a a Western hunting fanatic, but he's just started on this journey in the last handful of years. And so it, it gives different perspective, what he sees in his eyes and what's helped him along the way. And then we're just able to talk about and highlight some of his Western hunting successes and failures and, and um, just kind of talk through them to give good insight that you can tie back to your hunting. So I really enjoyed the conversation. This is a great episode with Steve Evans. I know you guys are going to enjoy it too. I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. I want to thank MAF, Mountain Archery Fest. Uh, Mountain Archery Fest, it's a a 3D shoot that takes place at these ski resorts. And so they've got four locations this year where they're holding events. Uh, The first one's in Lookout Pass in Idaho, June 5th to the 7th uh, Pajarto mountain. I, I pronounced that so bad last time. So the guys corrected me when I talked to him, uh, I probably still have it wrong, but Pajarto mountain, it's in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh, they have one at Eagle point Beaver, Utah. That one's June 26th through 28th in purgatory resort in Durango, Colorado, July 17th through the 19th. Um, these guys are working so hard to put on a good 3d event and 3d shooting just improves your skill set and really gets you ready for for hunting season and to be able to ride these chairs up walk down through five different courses that they've designed one of their courses has 29 replicas made of the 29 big game Pope and young records and, and then like a little board where you can read about the hunter and you actually you mimic his exact shooting for that animal or as close as we can get it with the angle, whether he was kneeling or sitting and get to shoot at these world records. So it's going to be a great time. They're planning to still put on these events. Um, if you guys are interested, uh, you can sign up at their website, uh, mountainarcheryfest.com. And we also have a promo code for the podcast. Um, so if you put in elevate 15, it gets you a 15% off, uh, and you'll also receive a combo digital subscription to EBJ and E H J for the first two thousand people that register. Um, it's going to be a great event, a lot of fun. I'm going to try to make it to that event in Idaho and Lookout Pass. Uh, maybe shoot over there with a couple of the guys from Eastman's and and join up with Brandon Waddell, um, the the founder, the guy that's that's putting all this together, um, and shoot that one. So if you guys are around those dates, uh, uh, sign up and and get put in for them. Um, so yeah, mountain archery fest, elevate your 3d experience. I also want to thank our other sponsor for the show, Sitka hunting gear. Um, Sitka builds the, the best technical mountaineering hunting gear on the planet. Uh, I, I know it directly ties to my success in the field cause I can just ride out any storms and that's, you know, from hot weather hunts to, to storms in the back country, whether that's early season thunderstorms and rain showers or that's late season snowstorms. They, they just have the necessary gear to get you outfitted, to stay out there longer and be more effective. Uh, their layering systems uh, is is exactly how I like to hunt, where you can um, put on or take off layers dependent on your exertion level and temperature. Uh, I'm just so comfortable in this gear, um, just getting my, my order ready for this year. I've got about everything I need, but... Uh, I did wear out a rain jacket where I'm able to get that that new storm front rain jacket and um, some new gators after about five seasons and thousands of miles. I think I finally got those things worn out, so some new uh, gators. But if you guys are in the market for a new piece of gear, you, know, you don't have to, to buy every piece of gear that they have. It's one piece of gear can really make a difference to your hunting system. And And whether that's a Kelty light jacket, which is like their puffball jacket, whether it's a really good rain jacket, great mountain pants that you can use all the way from September to November, it just keeps you more comfortable and keeps you out there, uh, hunting longer, which makes you more effective. And that's, that's the key to success nowadays. So I'm absolutely in love with all the Sika gear. So if you're in the market for a new piece, make sure to check them out and, um, Try it on. So thanks to those guys and thanks to all our sponsors. Over there at Eastman's, uh, we just launched the new Tag Hub. So Tag Hub, uh, take your research to the next level. It's got all our our information from the MRS compiled in one place, plus more information and and articles to read. Um, It's got great color coding, easy to use. Um, So if you guys are interested in that, make sure to check out Tag Hub over there at Eastman's been working hard on the magazines uh, we've still got um, you can get a subscription to both magazines and get a free outdoor edge knife with all shipping uh, you just text uh, the code elevated 220 to 22828 and that'll get you that subscription to both magazines you can also put that in the promo code at eastman's and uh, Make sure to be on the lookout for Beyond the Grid, or internet TV show, uh, Eastman's Hunting Journals on the Outdoor Channel, you can DVR that, our magazines of course, and uh, yeah, everything else we got going on there at Eastman's. I think I covered it all, so let's get into this podcast, it's a great one, with Steve Evans, I'm your host Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated, here we go. Dude, thanks for reaching out. Um, heck of a hunting season, man. You've been killing it. Yeah, it was.
1: Uh, it was crazy, dude. I mean, I don't know if it's beginner's luck or if you just spend enough time out there, you just end up killing things.
0: <laughs> that's it. Um, you know, I I think I think luck is. God, I just heard this saying that's so so awesome the other day. That that luck is just um you know there's that when that. Opportunity meets uh, uh, preparation, you know? And and that's all it is, is being prepared for that moment and capitalizing on it. Because, yeah, if you're out there enough, you'll create those opportunities. If you're just out there looking around and hiking and hunting hard, like you'll create opportunities, you know, whether by skill or by luck, you just create it just by being out there. And then it's just capitalizing on it.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, my favorite buck of the year was the one I killed in California. And I saw him two miles away, and he just disappeared, and I was like, well, I guess I could hike over there and see if I can find him bedded, you know? And I didn't know where he went, and I hiked all the way over there. It took me like two hours, and within five minutes, I found him bedded and killed him in his bed, and it's like, I got lucky that I found him bedded, but nobody made me walk over there.
0: Yeah, it's exactly it, man. It's just, um, yeah, you see an opportunity and go for it, and like you know, nine times out of 10, you probably don't find them again, but that, that one time and where you pick out the beds, right. And don't spook them getting in there and then able to close the deal, man, that's just awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was rewarding. It was uh, definitely a turning point in my hunting, you know, like season. It's like, Whoa, it just takes effort and time and it pays off,
0: man, for sure. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Effort and time. And, um, and it's nice to see that payoff, you know, when you're successful on a good deer like that and you see that effort pay off, like then you're willing to put more into your other hunts. Like you kind of use that as motivation. Like, well, it worked out that time. I might as well give it my all on this and see how it goes.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's, that's all it takes. You just got to taste it a little bit and then <laughs> then you're all in.
0: Cool, man. That's awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for looking me up. This is make a great podcast. Um, yeah. So, so well, Yeah, I found
1: you. Oh, I was going to say I found you just through a podcast, like, you know, beginning of last year. And then that's what got me motivated to start archery deer, you know, back in the basins and stuff. And then I just reached out to you. Like, you think this is a good spot? You probably don't even remember, but I remember. I was like, this looks like a good spot. I sent you a picture on Google Earth and you're like, that looks like a good spot. And I found bucks in there. It was seven (laughs) miles in, but that's what made me go in there.
0: Man, that's so cool. Uh... Yeah. Right on. Well, yeah, I just try to answer those messages as honest as I can, you know, when I get them and try to like, I know how it is. Sometimes you just need some encouragement in the right direction. And, and so I try to like, never say, you know, for sure there's bucks there or for sure there's not, but I'll say, yeah, man, I mean, it, it looks bucky. It's definitely a spot I'd go check out, you know? And then, and then you just, you find bucks where bucks like, and man, you just, um, you pick the right spot to scout and go into. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool, man. I can't not I can't wait for July just because last year I was learning. I mean, I still really am. But like last year when I went scouting, that was my first time in the mountains this year. It'll be a totally different game.
0: What? That's crazy, man. Well, yeah. hey, do you mind if we just, like, get right into it and I just start the podcast from, you know, around the beginning, even talking – Um, you know, once we started talking mule deer, you just did such a great job of, like, introducing yourself and telling the story. I think we can just go from here.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I'm down.
0: Okay uh, everybody should know now that being on the podcast, like you may be being recorded in the beginning. I just have such great conversations with guys like getting to know them, you know, before we start the podcast that I just like to keep that stuff in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Whatever you want.
0: Okay, cool. So, uh, what you just started hunting this year, Steve?
1: Uh, well, uh, technically no, I killed my first deer in, um, 2018. Um, but it wasn't, it was like a hold-your-hand type of hunt. My buddies pretty much took me hunting, you know, and then I got hooked, and then 2019, I just went all in. That was like my first solo trips, all that kind of stuff.
0: Man, how cool. So <sighs> so your buddies invited you on a deer hunting trip, and you hadn't been before, and so you kind of asked a bunch of questions and went with those guys, and then you guys went on an adventure somewhere?
1: Yeah, that was Montana. We went during the rut. Okay, yeah, so we drew – well, we drew the combo tag. So we, we did do the elk hunt, the archery elk hunt. Um, we didn't – none of us got anything. We saw plenty of elk, though. It was just not easy. And then, uh, then that following November, we went in for the rut deer hunt, and that's when I got my first buck.
0: Oh, how cool. And so got your first buck – had like it's it's a wild adventure when you've never been hunting, right? It's different than anything in in life that you come up against, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've always hunted. I've hunted since I was little, but um, mostly ducks. And then deer hunted when I was way younger, like thirteen.
0: Okay, fourteen. So ha- have a connection with the outdoors.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And then just. I don't know. I kind of just fell off of the, the deer hunting thing when my dad stopped taking us just because we all started duck hunting and then grew up and got jobs, that kind of stuff.
0: Duck hunting is action, isn't it? That's fun when you're a kid. You get to shoot a bunch.
1: Yeah, that's what I, that's what I used to tell people. They asked me why I didn't deer hunt. I said I can shoot seven ducks every day for 100 days.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's it's they're not comparable. They're They're two different things altogether for sure.
0: Yeah. That's what I found too. Um, I used to love bird hunting, but yeah, I just fell in love with that. The, the big game. Um, how much do you think that all that bird hunting experience plays into your success, big game hunting?
1: Uh, You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, other than just knowing that some days you'll get them, some days you won't, you know, but, um, I mean, you all, it's hard to compare them to, to compare the two, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Duck hunting—you're not walking ten miles. <laughs> um, if, yeah, it's pretty hard for me to compare them together. Yeah. They're, I feel like they're just two totally different things altogether.
0: They are different. They're different experiences. Like the what I was thinking about is or like how I could compare it to was like. I'd get that, that rush of adrenaline when I was shooting at animals and looking through my scope and trying to, like, um, you know, trying to be in the car wreck or think about things when I was in the car wreck, like shooting at an animal. And I always thought bird hunting helped me with that because there's such excitement when those birds are coming in and then to keep your focus and execute good shots, like, you know a lot of times my first times my first time of the year out I'll miss a bunch of ducks and it takes me a while to get keyed in on it and lead them right and then execute the shot and be thinking through it so i always thought that kind of translated to big games so that was the correlation i was trying to make
1: oh yeah that yes yeah that that is the case yeah. Yeah, it's real easy to get overly excited in both scenarios
0: yes so you got yeah. that adrenaline fell in love with hunting in the outdoors and so then you go on your buddies and you said that the, um, had been deer hunting with your dad, but it has to be totally different. Like, like, where do you come from Steve or where do you live at now?
1: I live in California,
0: live in California. Okay. So, so then you get invited on this trip and so you go with your buddies and you guys go out to Montana to go chase mule deer and September elk. And it sounds like you guys had action in September too. It was just extremely difficult.
1: Yeah. It's, we had a ton of action. I mean, it was, a, it was a great time. Like, um, but just archery is difficult. You know, I think all of us were within a hundred yards of bulls almost every day. And none of us got one,
0: man. those bulls just have a knack, um, especially like a public land, Montana bull. It's like a general season It's like, good luck. Your game has to be so on point to get it done on one of those things. But like, it's just more experience and getting out and getting into them and having something go right. But, um, yeah, man, those, those, those elk can be tough around here. I know that for a fact.
1: Yeah, you'd think – when you see them, you think, oh, we got this figured out. That's not even the start of it.
0: <laughs> yes, Just... I feel your pain. All right, and so then you guys come out. You come deer hunting. You have some success. You killed a nice buck that year?
1: Oh, I wouldn't consider him nice, but he was he was nice to me. I killed a fork and horn
0: okay yep yeah. so okay so you hadn't been hunting for a long time wanted to kill a buck and so you close a deal on a fork at horn your buddies kill some bucks
1: yes yep we all got bucks that year
0: oh how cool so you guys came yeah. over and got to see action which is tough to find right i mean um you know it's tough to find good mule deer hunting where you're gonna see a bunch and chase a bunch and get opportunities especially you know when you're just starting out
1: yeah i mean uh so yeah, I mean this year in California I hunted for 17 days and saw five bucks.
0: Ooh, ouch, that's and, tough, huh?
1: That is tough, man. That is, that plays that plays on your mind pretty hard.
0: Man, I, those tough seasons and low densities Gosh, I need to get better at hunting those places, you know, and just stay in the course because it is tough. There's giant deer that live, you know, where there's places where there's low numbers. There's also low hunting pressure or maybe they're tough to hunt because of the cover or whatever the case is. But, um, you know, there's good bucks in that area and you just got to keep the course and keep looking for them and trying to create an opportunity.
1: Yeah, and that's – I just learned that – I mean I guess the hard way, but how else do you learn it? You know, you just have to keep going until – it happens
0: yeah yeah for sure and so finished up that hunt and then you were totally hooked you started finding out everything you could about western hunting and and you started making plans for the next season to to hunt mule deer gosh i saw like a couple big mule deer that you harvested this past year that must be the the california one and then um you got another one in wyoming is that right
1: yeah i got a the i got my biggest one in wyoming yeah
0: dude congratulations what a season so you you just went all in after that season. You were hooked. You said this is this is for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really did. I had a bunch of vacations saved up just from not using it through past years. So I, I mean, as soon as we got home from that hunt, I was researching. Just I fit in as many hunts as I pretty much could and could afford.
0: <laughs> Man, good on you. And so then you just sent it this season. You said 17 days in California spotted five bucks. So low densities, you had to look around a bunch. And it looked like you killed a really nice buck there.
1: Yeah, he was, I was, I mean, my Wyoming buck was bigger. This California buck means way more to me just from the amount of work it took to to get him. Um, and, yeah, and I actually, you know, I used to be one of those real negative guys. Like, there's no deer here, you know. Um but there is the I saw two bucks bigger than the one that I ended up taking in California, and the biggest buck I saw from hunting four different states was in California. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah.
1: It, pretty it, that's I wild, wasn't Steve. It.
0: Yeah, I'd say like. um So much of it comes down to attitude, isn't it? Like it can be tough hunting and tough to find critters. But if you just keep believing and keep going in that that positive attitude, you're right. It's so easy to get negative and think there are no deer there. I'm not going to see any. And you just start to give up slowly or you just start to play it play it easier as you, you oh, I'll just drive out and hike to this vantage point. And, oh, I'll hit this on my way home. I, you know, it's so easy to just give in, but if you really keep the course and believe you can be successful and believe you're going to turn up a buck, it's amazing what you can make happen.
1: For sure. I mean, that's what, that's what I got to learn all year. So like the following years are going to be just way, way different, you know, now that I just know what I know from putting in the time and, and getting, Well, it was mostly the California buck. The rest of them, they they came easy. It was kind of weird, but the California buck did not. So that's what I learned the most of my like uh, drive from.
0: OK, well, and, and just like we talked in the beginning, it's like you're going to get these opportunities if you work hard enough and put in the effort and you just keep putting on like you're just going to create opportunities and then it's it's what you can do with them. And you never know, like that Wyoming, you killed your nicest buck ever there in Wyoming um, early in the hunt. But, you know, if that buck gets away from you, who knows what happens? You know, the rest you could go another nine days and not find one. So it is just making good on opportunities. But good for you. You get to like. You get to, like, hear these lessons and, and listen to all this, and then you, you get to put it into action in, in your hunting season. And so you get to jump so far ahead on the on the learning curve that, you know, you, you get to take in the skills of a more experienced hunter for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you always hear – well, just, you know, listening to podcasts, people say, you know, it can happen on the last day. And when I was hiking over there to that California buck, I was like, this is probably the last day I'm doing this. I mean, I've hiked – probably over 200 miles you know in 17 days i'm like i'm like i am done with this state and then i go over there and just kill this giant buck at least to me you know he's a good deer and it just changed my whole perspective
0: man everything can change at the blink of an eye can it like um because Sometimes it just seems like you're up against the world too. Probably like you did on that California hunt where it, it just almost seems impossible to even be successful. Like um, when you put that many days in and you go that hard, like, like sometimes it's like, man, this is, it ever going to come together? Like, can this even be done in this unit? And then all of a sudden it just changes like, like one opportunity and you rolling over to where that buck was relocating him and then making a shot. So you you spotted him from a good vantage point that morning or something or that day.
1: Yeah, I actually saw him. He didn't come out of the of like the small patch of timber he was in until I think it was eight thirty. I think I saw him at eight thirty. Um, and then so yeah, I mean I'm sitting up there dark, and so by eight thirty I've probably been glassing for two hours by then. And then he came out and he just fed through a small small opening. It was early October. Now I'm learning these things. You know, it was early October. So he's not gonna move much at all and I really just got lucky. I didn't pattern him or anything. It was this is a brand new spot that I went into. And uh so I just caught him slipping through maybe like a hundred yard opening. He went from one side of it to the other. And uh then he disappeared in the shadows and I'm thinking, Well it's eight thirty. You know, he's he's got a bed somewhere near there. I don't think he's gonna just keep walking around. The sun's beaming down, so I just start hiking and yeah, I came up over the hill where I just marked, you know, a tree where I last saw him and then I came over the hill and he was literally bedded twenty yards from that tree.
0: Perfect.
1: Yeah. And that um, was that was during rifle, so I mean I just I actually shot him from up on top of the mountain. I hunted most of my season during archery. Oh, okay. In California.
0: Yeah. yeah. How is that getting on those big bucks?
1: That was cool. I actually had an awesome opportunity at a really nice three by three during archery season um i found him one day couldn't find him the next then the third day i bedded him down and i waited till like 11 o'clock just from listening to people you know they have multiple beds right so i wait till like 11 o'clock i'm just baking out in the sun watching him and he gets into this little tiny like burrow of brush And I'm like, that is his final bed right there. He'd already moved twice. And I'm like, that's his final bed. And so I make my way over there. He's only like 700 yards away. I make my way over there and come over this rock. And he should be bedded in this brush at like 30 yards. And I'm trying to find him, and I'm not seeing him. And he just explodes at my feet, like 10 feet below me, right at my feet. Um scares me to death. And he goes off down the mountain and I looked down and he moved beds up against this this rock that I came over. He moved beds again, and he was only gonna have like twenty minutes of shade right there. I have no idea why he moved over there, but he did.
0: <laughs> oh man. That always where you least expect him.
1: Yeah, so but I mean that was that was awesome, dude. I mean, that's my first archery trip, and I got ten feet from a nice buck way up on top of a mountain with nobody around it it was you know picture perfect other than not killing the deer but
0: yeah that's I a did. win good on you
1: yeah yeah so then i found a bunch or not a bunch i found you know three more good bucks during archery season with their red coats on it and velvet and then the only buck i saw during rifle season was the one that i ended up taking
0: man yeah that's um that's a good lesson um like you say on drive and fortitude and um believing in the cause but doesn't it feel so good when you put that much into a hunt and then you're successful that that'll hook you on hunting right there
1: for sure i mean it like i am addicted like when i glass that buck up uh in his bed the california buck it's it sealed the deal like i was i'm a i'm a i'm an addict
0: <laughs> hunter for life i'm i'm with you like um it sometimes you just uh that excitement is hard earned sometimes that bow stock or that rifle shot like it can be really hard earned like you can glass for a long time, you can look over a lot of country that doesn't hold 'em but eventually you're gonna pick one of those things out through the glass, and then you know just like you sometimes I gotta. You know, you got to send it miles out there just to even maybe create an opportunity, you know, and get out there. And a lot of times it doesn't happen, but eventually he's going to be there. Eventually, you know, you're going to make that stock and he's going to be where you left him or you're going to catch him getting out of that bed. Like that, learning that payoff. And then you're just willing to do whatever it takes to create that again. <laughs> like I, I'm totally hooked on it too. I just love that you know those close encounters are getting those chances so yeah man that's really cool and so then so you did that hunt in california and then you had um a tag in wyoming so you went and did that hunt or which hunt was next
1: um yeah after california i had a tag in utah um wyoming and montana so i i went to utah first um that tag was the last seven days in october a cwmu tag and i ended up uh Killing a cool uh, stag buck down there on the sixth day, um, so I got I got my money's worth out of that.
0: Oh, right on. Um, yeah, stag buck. I I don't know if I remember seeing that one come across your feed. That's wild. So went to Utah, never hunted there, and uh, hunted that unit and um, able to find some bucks in there.
1: Yeah, I did. It wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting, right? I mean, I bought a CWMU tag, like so. I come back from you know, Montana last year, I'm all addicted to deer hunting. I'm like, dude, I want to hunt some big bucks. So I buy the CWMU tag. It ends up just being on this real flat ranch. I thought I was getting like, uh, I don't know what I was thinking, right? I thought I was hunting mountains. Um, It ends up being on this big, like sage flat ranch, nowhere to really hike, you know, no vantage points or anything, but I made a hunt out of it. Like I tried to find deer in their beds in the middle of the day and Um, that kind of stuff but so yeah i did see some bucks i saw some good like 24 inch 26 inch bucks wide um and then what else and then oh so i saw one really good buck and that was the buck i was on my way to kill when this stag buck came up and it's pretty hard to pass up something that cool
0: oh gotcha well, and um, it sounds like uh, you you made a good hunt out of it. You know, wasn't exactly what you expected, but went there with a good attitude, hunted hard, ended up killing a good buck. You know, so, sometimes these deals, like these adventures, like like part of it part of the fun of it is trying to plan it and trying to figure out where is going to be good. And, and, And a lot of times it's just hypothesis and it's just like looking at maps or hearing something about a unit, but it doesn't always pan out. And it's just like part of the risk we have to take is, or we do take as public land hunters that going on these adventures and finding cool new places, like every once in a while you're going to strike out and it's not quite going to work out. Maybe the weather wasn't right. Maybe the population isn't in there. You know, maybe it's like a sage flat and you were expecting mountains like on that tag or, or whatever the case, but it it is just like, you just make the most of it and you give it your all. So you have no regrets and give yourself a good experience. And then you just chalk it up and you just go, well, next time around this is what I need to do different or this is what I learned from this tag, you know, next time I'm going to apply here or apply in a totally different place. So, man, it's just yeah, it's like yeah. it's it's part of the price of admission, I think, of playing the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I ran into a few guys that had that tag and like I was hunting from daylight till dark, like, and it's they're like, "What are you doing out here in the middle of the day?" I'm like, "I'm hunting. Like, I bought this tag. I'm putting my time in. I'm going to make a hunt out of it." you know i'm not hunting for two hours in the morning two hours in the evening that's not what i bought it for
0: so yeah i
1: just i just you know made the best of it and i did turn it into a fun hunt you know i actually found some bucks in their beds which is not very easy to do um you know in the middle of the day and then i ended up taking that the stag buck which was super cool i mean i'll probably probably never kill a buck like that again let alone see one um so yeah all in all it was Totally fine. I probably just won't do it again.
0: Yeah, so that, um, yeah, Stagbuck is super rare. I think I've seen like maybe one of those um, that was in like velvet during the rut that was a little weird that had some staggy stuff going on. So did that one, did it have any testicles or what was? Nope. No. No testicles.
1: No, huh. no testicles. He had two main beams on one side and uh, he was a nine by seven still in full velvet.
0: Oh, wow. That's a wild one.
1: Yeah, he's just he's crazy looking. Not like real big and no mass or anything, just, just their horns grow. All kinds of weird shapes and stuff, so uh,
0: wow, like yeah, a, I Yeah, like definitely a, happy with them. Like a cactus buck or something. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, that's what he is.
0: Oh wow, that's wild.
1: Yeah.
0: Um Okay, so yeah, so shot that say it sounded like um you were successful and made a hunt out of it just due to your attitude and the way you approached it. Um man, that's the that's the great thing about but about hunting in general, like, God, if you just show up with a good attitude to have fun, to enjoy the experience, it's amazing what'll come together.
1: For sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's, that's just what I learned. Like it just, I mean, I have a good attitude in general, like just life. It helps you in life, but it really helps you in deer hunting also.
0: Yeah, man. So you just went after a uh, uh, mule deer hunting Montana, you were hooked. You're like mule deer. I think that's my thing.
1: It is. Yeah. I just, i I really enjoy them. And then that was just my first buck, but after this year after taking four bucks in four different states, like it's a it's a for sure thing.
0: I'd say. So um, okay, so then from there, your next trip was in uh, Wyoming, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Wyoming and then that was that was actually pretty cool. I wish that hunt would have lasted longer, but it did this one was the opposite, you know. Um, so yeah, I just I went to Wyoming, got there late in the evening. The following day was opening day. I went to two spots that I had picked out um, that, one, I couldn't actually get access into it. Then the second spot was loaded with people by the time I got there because now it's decently late in the morning. So um, I don't I know I wrote you about this that I on my way to Wyoming, I listened to the podcast you did with Ike Eastman about hunting sage bucks, you know, bucks that are living in the sage. Mm-hmm. And, and so – while I'm making these rounds trying to find my first two spots, I come across, like, a bunch of ag fields that are just loaded with those, And um, so I look on my map, and up above it is really, like, steep country. It's not mountains. It's it's like canyons, mm-hmm. like red clay canyons. Um, so I'm, like, looking up there, and so I just get on hot X, and I look, and I'm like, all right, well, this BLM road leads me about, like, three miles from – the edge of that ag land, you know, didn't like run the border of it. So I just drove up there and, um, I just drove way back on this road. I don't know, maybe like 10 miles down this BLM road. And I started cutting like a decent amount of deer tracks in this one spot, just going down in this. I mean, they're huge canyons. You're probably like three miles across and then just little small drainages in between. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm seeing all these tracks going into this drainage and I'm like, Because I I only have a hotel for two nights. I'm going to pack in. Like, I have all my solo tent and everything. I was going to pack in. That was my plan. Scout, opening day, pack in, and then hunt the rest of the week. So I'm like, so I'm just looking. I'm trying to figure out why there's deer here, where I can go to camp, that kind of stuff. And I get out of the truck and I only walk, I don't know, maybe five, six hundred yards down into this canyon trying to figure out why the deer are there. Um, just like if there's feed, because like, I'm I'm new at all this, so I'm like, well, let me see if I can put a pattern together in case I see this type of terrain somewhere else. And uh, I end up finding that buck in his bed at I don't know, 10 o'clock or so. He was bedded with a doe and another small buck. Like I didn't have, I didn't even have my pack with me. Like I'm just walking down the mountain with my gun and my binoculars. That's it, just to see why these deer are living there. And then I. End up glassing that buck up at 400 yards in his bed and then I killed him in his bed too.
0: Man, perfect. Yeah. God, it's just great. Like um so yeah, it's so many good tactics uh like you you know, you, it it's amazing how you make a plan and a backup plan, but you show up and in real time, it's not what you think it is or it doesn't pan out. And like so many times when you're traveling from California to Wyoming, like you don't get a bunch of uh, scouting days in. And so you kind of choose a unit and you do the best you can with trying to identify mule deer areas. And then you get there and you're like, well, this place doesn't have access. Okay. This doesn't pan out. There's no road here. Go to the other spot. It's like, man, there's a bunch of people hunting in this spot. Like, God, I'm going to have to figure something out. So in real time, you had seen some deer in a field and it's like, well, that's not public. I don't see any bucks, but what about that country up above them? Like that—that that looks intriguing. You find your Onyx, find a road that leads in there, bounce your truck ten miles back in there, and then start cutting sign and seeing sign. And it's—it just um, like it's—it amazes me how just that little bit of effort, how you just walked off with your gun and your binos, like that's what I'll do a lot of times is. You know, off this road is just like a little bump to the edge of a new ravine, to the edge of a new lookout, to look over the edge of that, you know, the the drainage I'm in or what just a different angle. It's amazing like how many times you turn up deer and then Hey, I lost you there.
1: Uh, no, yeah, my dad beeped in on me and I tried to I tried to end the beep in and continue the call and i did it backwards
0: <laughs> that's how technology so, works yeah yeah sorry um, Matt, if
1: that causes a an issue
0: oh it's piece cake we'll just edit it okay. in there where did i where did it cut off at do you remember What was the um, last thing you heard
1: yeah so we were talking about you were talking about how i would found those does and then um how those bucks will live up in the in the mountains above them or in the the hills really perfect above them. well yeah that's, it was, where, that's where i lost you
0: Yeah, so it was your intuition to, like, see those does down there and go, well, that's a population of deer. There's no bucks with them. But then you looked up and, like, you explained it, like that that rugged, rough, big ravine, sagebrush country, red rock country. Like, it just looks like mule deer habitat. And so – then you looked up, you found a road that, that worked way back in there. And so you bounced your truck way back in there to the back end, which, you know, I'm sure you said 10 miles or more. And so followed it back in there and then started seeing tracks and going, man, okay, there's some deer in here. And then just that little walk you took with your rifle and bina's, it just amazes me how like, you know, just a little vantage point off the edge of a ravine, just walking a couple hundred yards, just seeing a new little piece of country. And all of a sudden, there's a buck there. And and also, what you did well is like spotting a buck in their bed is so difficult. Um, you have to be on your binos and looking at every spot as you come over the hillside. So you must have been panning pretty hard for deer, like knowing there was deer in there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't want to take full credit for having intuition that there was bucks up above those does. That was completely from listening to that podcast on my way down there, <laughs> listening. You guys say that bucks hang out up in the canyons above the does, so that's what that's what led me up there. Um, but yeah, so. But it's good. You're
0: just, you're theorizing trying to figure out where bucks are and figure out where deer are because those first couple spots didn't pan out. So like you're learning the unit in real time. And anytime you see deer numbers, like it piqued your interest and you looked at those canyons and then, like you say, heard it on the podcast or wherever you picked up the information, but went up in there and put up your effort in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I, like I went in there and I cut tracks and then, um, yeah, I was like, well, I'll just walk down in here and, it's funny because when I'm, when I'm looking at like statistics on where I'm going to hunt and that kind of stuff and I see like a 20% success rate or a 30% success rate, I think, okay, so I just have to do more than 80% of the people to kill a buck in there. That's how it works. That's how it works in my mind anyways. So uh, when I'm driving all over the place, there's people on razors, you know, like Polaris Razors and Rangers just running all over these roads and uh that's all it took that was that that was that 20 percent difference was walking 500 yards from my truck to find that buck because you couldn't see him from the road and he's he wasn't young you know he's a big buck so he probably lived his whole life right there a thousand yards off the road
0: yeah it's so cool steve learning yeah, in real was... time putting it together like it's it's a it's a puzzle each place you hunt like each season and it's different every year you go in even if you have a bunch of knowledge and experience like uh everything's always changing you know but i I think that's what i really enjoy about it is like solving the puzzle like i like being in that hunt thinking about it trying to figure out the puzzle pieces and put it together
1: yeah yeah that's why i picked out um like i hunted different stuff this year like i hunted Well, California, I hunted the high basins, you know, um, the alpine during archery, and then I ended up hunting around like 7,000, 8,000 feet during rifle, and then I hunted the sage in Utah, which was accidental, but the hunting the sage in Wyoming was on purpose, because I I just wanted to check out different terrain and just learn about bucks in different areas.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, Yeah, they... um... All have you know they all kind of follow the same tendencies but i i don't know like each deer in each different habitat definitely prefers different things you know like you have to you, uh, each place is different you got to figure out each place and so from there you also had a montana tag and so you were ready to go back to montana and killed that buck the the prior year right
1: yeah yeah so i so I get that Wyoming buck really – I mean I, I planned on 10 days in Wyoming and then 10 days in Montana. That was my plan. And I end up getting that buck on opening day in Wyoming, and I'm like, okay. So we got some time. So I have I could either go home and spend two weeks at home until my buddy – he was going to fly in on the 15th um, and meet me in Montana. So I'm like I can either go home for two weeks or I can go to Montana and just learn more about deer. So I went to Montana. <laughs> Um, and I just hunted deer for 10 days. Like by the time I dealt with the meat, I went to back to Utah, dropped the Cape off at the same taxidermist that was mounting my Utah buck, that kind of stuff. So I got, I got to Montana on, or yeah, I got to Montana on the fourth, I believe. So I hunted just 10 straight days of Montana, just, um, hunting new areas, new types of terrain, just pretty much just watching deer, you know, if something really, um, caught my eye. I was gonna kill it, but I wasn't, um, I was more just like enjoying learning about them as opposed to really hunting them for those. Yeah. And then I, um, so yeah, I went 10 days, saw bucks every day. Um, and then watched the, I also got to watch the rut progress, which was really cool. Um, and so like I was finding groups of does in certain areas, there'd be no bucks. I'd go to another area. I'd come back to that area. There would be bucks with the does where the does were living, you know, four days later. Now I'm looking at the same does, but there's a buck with them this time. Um, just that kind of stuff was super cool,
0: man. Really cool. Um, so you got to spend some days hunting them and looking over some bucks and, um, you kind of sharpen your locating skills too.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. It's, you got to spend so much time behind the glass and just understanding, um, like different terrain and why why they live there you know there's so much to learn and you can only learn it by being in the field so that's why i decided to go to montana i already had the time off so why not go
0: Uh uh-huh and then um you you found a buck you liked in montana
1: yeah so i actually found a good buck on the very first day i was in montana i packed in i packed in my tent which was a whole different story in itself because it ended up getting freezing cold And uh, I'm just in a solo tent with uh, a sleeping bag. I don't have like uh, like a stove or anything. And
0: uh, that is tough cold camping, isn't it?
1: It was it was wicked. Um, So I made it. I think two or three days before the the front came in, and it was cold, man. And I was like, I was like, I'm only three miles in here. Like I can do this in the morning, you know. Like I can I can hike for an hour and a half in the morning. It's not that bad. So I ended up calling it quits. I I left my camp up there, came into town, got a hotel for one night. I was watching the weather. And then so I just got a hotel for that night. And then I came back in the next day, stayed a few more nights in my camp. And I was like, dude, I I can hunt this out of a hotel since I wasn't trying to go too hard. I was just learning. You know, I wasn't uh, 10 miles in trying to kill the biggest buck of my life. Um, I was just learning about deer. So, yeah, so scratch all that. But anyway, so I saw the buck I ended up killing, I actually saw him on the first day. Really nice buck that came down just to check a group of does, um, and then he ran back up into the timber. And then I ended up killing him on the tenth day with a group of does that I had been watching, you know, since the first day off and on.
0: Man, and sometimes it's like that too. Like you know, you talk about a hotel, and it's like almost like you feel bad when you're telling me because you know, you are a back country guy, um, you know, and you're willing to put in the work for him, but then all of a sudden you're staying at a hotel, but man, I mean, the most important thing is that you continue to hunt. And when it gets bitter cold like that, you got to have a heated tent. You can only do a couple days in a cold camp. Like I've hunted late season elk trying to cold camp. And even deer this year, when I shot mine was a couple night trip cold camping, but I timed the weather pretty good and you know, it's okay. You can do it, but man, without heat, Like, like you just had to adapt and find a way to keep out there and keep hunting is I'm sure it got below zero. You had north winds, snow, like you had Montana come in on you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was single digits with like a 30 mile an hour north wind. The (laughs) only, the only direction I wasn't protected in with my camp, you know, I tried to camp in like a low spot, but I was like, I was like, I should be all right. No, it was a north wind. I couldn't make a fire or anything. It was so windy. And then, um, yeah, so I've made it through that night. And then I hunted the next morning and then I looked at the weather and it wasn't changing. So I, I rolled out that day. Um, and yeah, it is funny because it is almost it seems embarrassing to like hunt out of a hotel. I don't know why, because I'm still getting up, you know, an hour and a half early to go hike two or three miles in the morning in the dark. But it's just it's weird after hunting out of a tent all year.
0: Yeah, that late season is just a different beast. Like the the biggest element you have to deal with is that cold weather. Like it's tough to sit in glass and spots. It's um tough to keep warm, keep your hands warm, feet warm and then like you say camping. So man, I'm with you. Like the most important thing was that you kept hunting. So so uh harvested that good buck you saw the first day and then did your buddy fly in? Did you end up hunting with your buddy out there?
1: Yeah, so so I I killed that buck on day 10 um my buddy flies in the very next day so it, it, it was it couldn't have been more perfect like it was awesome so I get my buck on the 10th day and then my buddy flies in the next day he flies in late um so now so uh, I'm off like basically the whole next day just pick him up from the airport and stuff and then the following morning he's still got his deer and elk tag I filled my elk tag this year during archery season I got a cow elk in Montana Oh, good for um, you!
0: Congratulations! Yeah, so
1: yeah, that was my first archery animal, so that was super cool. <laughs> Dude,
0: that was in you, September. You're killing it. it's not even through <laughs> your year yet. Man, that's no, awesome. No,
1: yeah, I've got to I got to go back in time. Yeah, so I got an archery elk in September in Montana.
0: Okay, um, but yeah, was, so your buddy flew in, so you're tagged out.
1: Yeah, I'm tagged out. My buddy flies in, so he wants to go after elk first, um, and then
0: because
1: there will be deer up where the elk are living but not necessarily bulls down where i'm where i'm finding deer you know where the majority of the does are they're down in the lower land so we're like we'll go up for elk first potentially find deer but mostly focus on elk um so he comes in we pack in it was about four miles so we check the weather and it's like we have four good days of like mid-20s low 30s um so we we decided to pack in so we pack in about four miles up on this mountain um like early in the morning on his first day. And now it's cool. Cause I have no pressure. I'm just helping him. I don't even have a gun. Right. So I'm, I'm just hunting with him. It was actually really fun. And, um, so we pack up there, we get to camp right away, find a group of elk, uh, like two miles away up on the side of this Ridge. We can't tell what they are though. If there's bulls or what, there's like 30 of them. So we decide we hadn't even set up camp. I don't think, um, when we found those elk. So we decided to set up camp and then go over there in case we end up with a long night. We're not setting up camp, you know, at midnight. So we set up camp, go over there. It was all cows in a spike, but there was two good bucks pushing does in the timber patch. So he ends up killing his buck on the very first evening, running in and out of these elk, basically. So
0: Man, that's a pretty good start.
1: uh, Yeah, so this is the first evening. He kills his his buck, and so like I mean, we're pumped. We, you know, quarter it all up, take it back to camp. We're only like two miles from camp now, but camp's packed in. Kill, and,
0: killed his buck or his bull? Sorry, Steve.
1: Sorry, he killed his buck.
0: Okay, killed his buck. Okay. Yeah, killed his
1: buck. Yeah, the 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 elk ended up all being cows and spikes.
0: Okay, so, gotcha. But
1: while we were watching them, we see these deer running in and out of the elk because the, the bucks are running hard now. It's the 15th of November, I believe, at this time. I see. And um. So he ends up getting his buck and then we quarter it up and take it back to camp and just hang it up in a tree. That was the first evening. The following morning at daylight, we find a group of bulls uh, and um, way down in this deep drainage. And then um, he hikes down there and I just stay up on the spotting scope, just watching them trying to relay, you know, which which bulls are where that kind of stuff, um, just because like we have two different views. You know, and after he got down there, I was basically useless because his views were totally different than mine. So all I could tell him was, yeah, there's elk there. <laughs> and um, so he ends up killing an elk on the on his second morning.
0: Man, and, you yeah. guys killed it. Yeah. yeah so uh, we didn't kill the buck the first night, but he was stoked with that. Pack that oh, out yeah. and then find that group of bulls or group of elk. And he goes down in there and kills that bull man you yeah, guys he, killed it
1: yeah we I mean we packed this deer back to camp camp is like you know four miles in so we packed his deer back to camp then he kills this bull way down in this drainage I'm, it was probably like a 1500 foot elevation difference from where from where we spotted him just way down in this drainage kills a bull down there we I go down there and then we get it all quartered up and then we pack out the front shoulders we pack out everything except the hindquarters, So front shoulders, neck meat, back straps, everything. Um, and our day hunting gear. And we're at, so we're at a totally different trailhead. It would have took us two days to go back where we came from. So we hiked to a totally different trailhead and just sit there in the dark, waiting for a car to come by and to hitch a ride. And, uh, but it was Montana. So people are cool. So we ended up sitting there for about an hour and, um, And a car finally drives by, and this this couple gives me a ride up to my truck at the the different trailhead, like, I don't know, six miles away or so.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, uh, how awesome. You guys were in for an adventure.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we did that till dark, and then the next day we had to go in, pack the rest of his bull out, and then go back up and get the rest of his camp or the rest of our camp and his buck.
0: Yeah, you guys had a couple days of packing after uh three yeah. days of packing or whatever after he shot the animals. Man, how cool. He had to be stoked, huh? Fly out, just get into critters like that.
1: Oh yeah, he was pumped, but it was it was too fast, you know, just like just like that, his hunt was over. But I mean, you gotta take the opportunities when they're there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. When you when the opportunity's there you have to seize it, you know. It can it can slip between your fingers pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I I think I had more um, anxiety watching him hunt, you know, or like I'm like adrenaline, you know, watching him hunt as opposed to me hunting myself. Like it was that was something totally new to me. And it was fun. Like I got to take more people hunting. I didn't take him hunting. He's the one that got me started in hunting. But just in general, I want to take people hunting because that was a pretty fun aspect of it.
0: Dude, it's so fun when your when your buddy's getting into him, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was like I'm I'm watching him in the binos, and I'm watching the elk in the binos, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, what's going on down there? You know, it was, it was nerve wracking.
0: Dude, it's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah, you want it so bad for him when you're up on the vantage point. I know, like I just ran into that with Dan, like um down in AZ where we were uh, spotted a nice coos buck and sent him after. He's just in a good spot. By the time Dan got there, he was bedded, and Dan positioned himself in the perfect spot right across from him, wait for him to get up, and um, you can use two-way communication in some states. Other states, you can't. In, in AZ, I believe it's legal, but we just don't. We don't have the radios or anything, so we just stick to our hand signals, which is legal everywhere. So sure. we make uh hand signals, you know, back and forth, and so we've got a few basic ones or whatever. But it's always when when stuff hits the fan, you can't get the right signal to your buddy, and so this buck walks out like right in his shooting lane, like uh, you know, right where I want the deer to come out, right where he had disappeared. And Dan's just kneeling there, and Dan doesn't see him, and he's turned away from me, and this buck just starts to walk. And it just keeps walking across, and I think for sure, okay, he's going to see him now and nothing, and Dan won't turn back to look at me or anything. And so like all of a sudden, this Koosbuck is going to walk out of his life, and Dan's just kneeling at 50 yards and can't see it over the brush. And so finally I didn't know what to do. I'm a panic in the scope, and so I just, I just give him one of these. I look down there, and finally like I got to do something. I go… Hey, you know, just give him one of those, like just echoes through the canyons way back in the wilderness, you know, and the buck stops yeah, yeah. and looks my way and Dan turns around and gives me like a, what the F are you doing? And so instantly I just shoot him a hand signal and my hand signal is down, which means hundred yards down the ridge and pop back up. So Dan starts scrambling down and then he starts coming up over the ridge and... And and he's in the wrong spot and he's confused and he looks at me again and then I point him up the hill which means up a hundred yards and come over <laughs> and so he co- he starts coming up the hill and then pretty soon he just looks back at me like has no idea what I'm trying to tell him you know and so I gave him the signal for up and over the ridge which is up and over the ridge he was just sitting on and so he makes his way there catches the buck and then gets a shot at him I was sure he arrowed that thing but. Man, like you talk about that excitement. I was so pumped with adrenaline, like on the vantage point, wanting to get that Coos buck so bad. And Coos are just small. I'm not sure, you know, if he had a bad range on the shot or they're just a small critter and he airballed it. But, man, we laughed so hard over that when he came back up at the vantage point yelling down at him. (laughs) It almost all worked out. But I, I know what you mean. You're just pulling for your buddies. You know, so yeah, bad you want, it, want more, it to happen. So bad. Yeah, more, totally. more than
1: yourself, more than like when you're in that position, you want you want it for them way yeah.
0: more. Oh, yeah, dude, Arizona fun. was
1: cool. I just spent um, 11 days down there. Um, that was
0: that was a terrain shock. Oh, good for um, you! So you went down to the desert, and went hunting down there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I went for mule deer down there. Um, I went the first week of January, and then I went back again um, one week later for um, another five days. But um, I didn't get one. I mean, like I said, archery is archery is going to make me such an excellent rifle hunter. That's what I can say about archery.
0: <laughs> That's exactly it. It's so difficult, but it makes you such a good rifle hunter, doesn't it? It just you just keep improving your skill set, and you you're just becoming a better hunter. You know. So yeah, I really think it adds to it. Well, good on you. You went down there and took the challenge. Two different trips. You got after it.
1: Yeah, and it it is a challenge, man. It's it's, it's no joke. Um. Just finding finding the bucks, um, and then getting close to them is just a whole different um, ball game.
0: Man, uh, uh... so I did
1: I did get within a hundred yards of um, a few bucks several times. I got within fifty yards of a buck, and I just misjudged where his bed was and ended up bumping him out. So that was kind of disheartening. But if you get within fifty yards of a buck, no matter what, that's that's pretty cool.
0: I'd say. Well, and just like you were stating, like, it's different habitat. It's it's totally new. And, and those different subspecies of mule deer, although they have the same tendencies, like, that terrain is different to me. And believe me, Steve, I'm still trying to figure out the desert myself. Like, it's, you know, I've developed some good spots over the years and um, good country that I love to hunt in different habitats. But the desert is the one that I've struggled with. But, you know, it's fine. Like Like, I... I finally went down there this year with the intent of really learning, you know, some, some Sonoran desert mule deer country and just started learning that desert, you know, picking it apart. And I ended up in like a little bit too thick of flats, but it's wild. Those those mule deer, they sure like the flats where like the coos deer like the mountains.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I learned, you know, the hard way. You know, I'm also, you know, asking guys that have hunted it. Um, you had him on your podcast. His name was um, – Marlin, or, uh, he goes oh. by gray light hunter on Instagram. Yeah.
0: Marlon's such a great desert hunter. He's, he's yeah. always getting it done down there. That guy's amazing yeah, so, in the desert.
1: Yeah. So he was about as helpful as possible without telling me exactly where to go. You know, I'm like, I'd send him a picture like, Hey, what do you think about this? He's like, yeah, get out of there. I'm like, sounds good. Um, so, so I started pretty much, you know, a little bit. So my first trip, I found a group of deer. I hunted them every single day. That's how the first trip went. The second trip I decided that I wanted to just learn country. Like, I'm going to check out as many spots as I possibly can. So I I changed spots 5 times in 5 days and found one group of mule deer. So I got to check a lot of spots off the list basically.
0: Okay. It's tough down there. That's what I've ran into too, you know, in the desert those low density spots are just tough with a bow and arrow. And and yeah, I mean for me to get it done, it, it usually takes me more than one chance at them. So yeah, man, it's just tough. Like I've I ran into that same thing, and and then I found a lot of deer, but in bad terrain, like too thick where you get down in there and you just can't tell where you you can't even make a stock in it. You know, gotcha. so I just need to keep developing it as well. There's some good mule deer down there, and there's good spots too. They're just low density areas where you just have to spend the time, effort, money. Right, we got to pay our dues down there and learn some more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like it was, you know, total different terrain, everything. Like it was, it was definitely fun and I'll, I'll go every year, you know, now it's just, it's, it's a big learning process for sure. Every, everywhere is every state, every elevation, everything's just a big learning curve. I'm learning that for sure.
0: Man, it's so cool that you're taking on so many different challenges though. Like I think that's truly what makes a great hunter is going to different habitats, different weapons and, 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 you know, trying to figure it out and solve the puzzle. And that desert is a tough one, but I'm with you. Isn't it just cool to be down there and soak in some sunshine. And then um, like, I love all the different uh, flora and fauna that you just don't see everywhere. You know, the, the birds like, God dang, these flats, it sounded like, um, God, it sounded like I was above, above like a, a jungle floor or something above some of these, these desert flats. I mean, just, So much wildlife and birds chirping, like those morning times. It was just like I was like above. Uh, above like a like the southern brazilian jungle or so, all the sounds i could hear coming from the desert but yeah man i love that yeah, place it's
1: cool. I, just everything's different about it just like you said the and everything stabs you
0: oh, everything <laughs> yeah. stabs you grabs you pokes you yeah that place is yeah. horrible
1: it's not fun for stalking that is for sure no
0: and well in the ground is so, so uneven you wouldn't think it'd be so tough to walk somewhere it's just constantly like walking on softballs everywhere you go
1: yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was cool. Like I enjoyed it so much just having something totally different to look at and you get to hunt deer in January.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's that's, a, it's a way to extend cool. the season. Yeah, man. I'm with yeah. you there. I, I love that place too. I'm pretty dialed on the coos and man, those things are action, but I really want to figure out those mule deer more down in there. So it's just, um, dedicating more time down there and spending the time and going down during that good season during the rut and, uh, you know, traveling country like you did like I did this year just trying to learn it yeah that that Marlin and there's a few guys Marlin and then um I've had the other guy on the, my podcast Kai Kinzer that guy is a wealth of knowledge down in the desert he killed another desert troll this year like those guys are really good at it and um so yeah just trying to take a play from their playbook and try to figure it out
1: yeah yeah and then I you know I got to see um I'd never seen a coos deer before so I ended up seeing a bunch of those in the first area I was um, some coos bucks and stuff, but um I don't know why they didn't really draw my attention as much as the mule deer. I don't know. I just have a mule deer kick right now.
0: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm with you. Mule deer fun to hunt. Uh, fun of species I hunt for sure.
1: Yeah, and then um and I javelina. Oh,
0: know, that's so right. Just, you you arrow the javelina down there, right?
1: Yeah, I did get one. Yeah.
0: oh so good on was, you.
1: That was cool. I mean, just with a bow, it's so different. Like. I try to take anything I can with a bow, just because you need the repetitions, so that when you do get that, you know, buck at fifty or sixty yards, you don't freak out, or at least know how you react, how you're going to react when it does happen.
0: That's exactly right, Steve. Yeah, got to get some kills under your belt with that bow and arrow. It's tough, and then so, and then you also killed a cow this year, which is no easy feat, uh, an elk with a bow and arrow. Good on you.
1: Yeah, it was just, I mean, it was it was an amazing year, that's for sure. Um, and then I got. I already have all my vacation burned up for all of 2020, I have all kinds of stuff going on. I'm going to, actually, I leave for Texas um, in two days to do Audad and Havelina down there um, for a week, so that's coming up, and then I'm going to try my hand at caribou in Alaska this year, um, and then, then I have, I think, four mule deer hunts, too
0: man yeah you're all in good for you man you just creating as many uh like like the you know, the time is now to do things to procrastinate or put things off or i'll do it someday you know it, it uh it just doesn't work out like you're better to just go what can i do this year what awesome adventures can i put together but yeah man you're going for it uh odd ad down in um texas you said and and uh yeah. javelina yeah i'm gonna I'm going to make a trip down to chase those odd out as well. I've got a buddy that invited me to go down. I'm looking forward to oh, it. Cool. So Man, how awesome. Yeah, it ought to be a fun western hunt down there, um, glassing and spot and stalking. I hear it's some rough terrain down there in, in parts.
1: Yeah, the, the area that we're going looks looks pretty rough. I mean, everything's private over there, so we just have to pay to access a ranch basically. Um, but it's just me and my buddy, and um, it's. I'm just itching to – to hunt things and like you said like i've been saying no to things for 10 years while i've been working and saving and that kind of stuff and now i borderline regret it because i could have been doing this you know since i was 20 and now i'm almost 30 but like it's here now so i might as well just do it as much as possible
0: man you're making the most of it yeah you got no regrets and now um up to up to Alaska for caribou good on you man those things are so fun they have such giant racks like they um, they kind of remind me of like an antelope the way they act i call them like an antelope with 400 inch horns but man they they're awesome like the the size ratio like i don't know where else you can hunt a 21 by 25 point you know it's like they just have so many tines and points and palmation and they're so big as compared to like their, their body size, you know, so they're just an amazing animal to hunt. They live in the, in the wide open tundra, but you can find relief in that country too. Like the, the same rules that apply in all these places that your hunt out West will apply up there for caribou. So man, you're going to have a great time.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm super looking forward to, to that hunt for sure. Just, you know, something just the terrain. That's all you hear about is it's like, you know, from anybody that goes that it's beautiful and, different you know the tundra and that i don't know where they're going to drop us off you know we're just getting flown in wherever they last saw the migration um so it's not like you get the internet scouted or anything you're just getting you're just getting dumped off
0: it's it's the best way to go though is to trust those pilots those pilots know where those herds are drop you off in a good spot where you're going to have action like the the worst thing caribou hunting is when you're not in them. So, you know, you got a good pilot you can trust. Like, you're doing it the right way. Uh, where are you flying out of? Do you know or do you want to say?
1: Uh, Cotterview. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind.
0: Cool. Um, well, man, yeah, that will so, be an awesome adventure. You line that up with one of your buddies too?
1: Yeah, there's actually four of us going.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, the,
1: t- um, the same two buddies that I hunted uh, Montana with both years and then um, another buddy from work. Man, so there's, there's four of us going there.
0: now. Now you got a crew of guys um, that all like to travel and hunt and go on adventures. It's pretty cool when you can start sharing your passion with other people like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I, mean, I solo hunted a bunch this year just because I have just you know more time than the average guy because um, I don't have a family or anything that that requires a lot of time. So, um, like, I get enough solo hunting in which I really enjoy, um, but then when I get you know to get a group together it's a totally different style of hunt and i enjoy that too
0: yeah they're both fun
1: yeah i think yeah. uh i think solo hunting's pretty like important uh, like i've noticed that it's just for your own personal growth
0: oh yeah it's personal been... development yeah that makes sense yeah
1: yeah i mean if you if you could spend seven days up there by yourself, you'll learn some things about oh, yourself
0: yeah you're you're right. it's kind of like cutting the cord and um even though it's really fun to hunt with buddies and you can hunt really hard with buddies and go hard but there there is something you have to learn by yourself, you have to be alone with yourself and make your own decisions up there uh like you say, there's so much to be gained by doing that or mix and matching,
1: yeah, it's like you learn a lot by making your own decisions when you're doing like your own solo hunts and everything you do is on your shoulders. Like you don't get to blame anybody for anything. Um, But then you also have a lot of fun when you have buddies and you're bouncing ideas off each other. So there's just a really good, cool aspect of both. I would highly recommend people do both.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. Me too. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't do one without the other. I like both of them. You know, they both offer something different, but, yeah. Well well man, awesome. Well, you got anything that um any advice that you'd give to to other young hunters that are coming up or uh any any closing thoughts that you'd give to to guys listening in?
1: Yeah, man. Um especially like a new guy that's kind of nervous about doing it, like just go. Um cuz that's how I started my 2019 season. I hadn't even solo hunted before. I just Grab my camp, and I was like, I'm going to go scout for deer, and I went in, like, two miles the first time, five miles the second time, seven miles the third time, and, like, I decided that I was going to go until I got comfortable with it, like, not, not just being alone, but just hunting in general, it takes a while to be comfortable, glassing, setting up your camp, finding water, that kind of stuff, um, they really need to just do it, like, and don't be scared to just put yourself back in there a little ways, you know. It's it's not uh it's not as scary as you would think.
0: Man, I do know it. It is just conquering. It's just like you almost have to make yourself do it. You can sit and worry about it all you want, but you just get out there and and through getting out there, you just take it day by day, and pretty soon it's it's less scary, and you get more and more comfortable with your surroundings and doing it.
1: Yeah, like you just um, like I like I said, it was like a two mile one night trip. Right. And then after you're like, okay, so that wasn't that big of a deal really. But I think most people stop before that, you know? Um, I think like they, that, that's how I got motivation to go was just listening to people. Like you have, you have to just go, go do it until you become comfortable with it. And that's what I did. I just kept going every weekend I got off. I would just go up there, um, and just learn, learn how to glass. I didn't even know how to glass. Right. I'm just like, Oh let me set my tripod up, I guess. That's how my season started.
0: Right? Like, <laughs> that's like, wild, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: know. Like, oh, okay. After you spend a day up there sitting on rocks, you're like, okay, maybe I'll get a glassing mat. It's just that kind of stuff. It's um for anybody new, you won't you won't know until you just go put in the time. But it doesn't take long before you're comfortable with it, so um so you shouldn't be hesitant to do it.
0: Man, that's so cool. It's such great advice. Oh. So right, like experience is the best teacher.
1: Yes, for sure, and yeah, yeah. that's what, um, and then, and go far back, like, you will they'll learn quick that you don't like seeing people while you're, while you're trying to hunt, so you might as well just start five miles in and then go from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's another good tip. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're right, you got to separate yourself <laughs> from the crowd. As much as we want a good hunting community, we hate to see boot tracks or guys where we're hunting. The goal is to get away from them.
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't dislike the the hunters in general. You just dislike the pressure. That's all it is. That's
0: exactly how it is. Yeah. Well, in animals, they just, uh, they're where their pressure is not.
1: Yeah. I mean, I that California buck I killed, he was seven miles in. I don't know how old he is. He's not young. And he's walking around in the middle of the open at eight o'clock during the day. They're not going to be doing that a mile from the trailhead.
0: No, no. They just um they find those places where people aren't and then deer are just deer. They show themselves, they come out like when I grew up hunting, you know, in Washington there was always like this dream of this timber buck, you know, that you'd come across that just lived in the timber and uh lived to old age, but you know, big deer, they, they're just, they're big deer. In fact, I, I noticed big deer feed more or longer than other deer because they got to get all that antler growth. Like, so, so deer just being deer somewhere, you just have to figure out where that spot is.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, that's what I've learned. It's like, you don't have to hunt around the pressure, you know, like, oh, I better, I I mean, you definitely need to hunt at daylight and be glassing at dark, you know, that's, that's no matter what, but the deer activity you'll see, Farther in there is uh, is night and day as opposed to anywhere close to where people are.
0: Man, yeah, makes perfect sense. Well, um, dude, thanks so much for your insight. It's really great to get you on the podcast and like hear, um, you know, you've been hunting and you're definitely an outdoorsman, but to hear somebody that's like new to big game hunting and then, you know, to get the passion like you have it and just going so hard, you know, in your first real season, you know, or your first real solo season where you're hooked on, man, it's really cool to hear your journey.
1: Yeah, man, I'd, I'm happy to share it and hopefully motivate somebody like me, like I was last year to start this year you know and do the same thing that's what i would that that's what would make me the happiest
0: man i can't see i can't wait to see what you're going to turn up in the years to come so keep in touch with me come back on the podcast when you kill that next big mule deer
1: for sure man thanks for having me on brian
0: all right thanks steve all right later all right guys that's a wrap again uh thanks a bunch to steve evans for um looking me up and setting up this podcast and sharing all that information um I just, I think you can learn something from everyone and I think everyone's perspective is a little bit different and I'm just so happy for Steve that he's found this, this Western hunting bug that we all have and, and dove head first and then he's been able to work hard and, um, be ready for, for his opportunity and, and close the deal and he's come away with, with some nice bucks this past season and, and I know he's going to turn up, uh, more in the years to come. So just a, a great conversation. Uh, thanks again to Steve for, for being on the podcast. Uh, I want to thank Martin, Mountain Archery Fest uh, for sponsoring the podcast. Again, they have their four events this year. Um, if you get signed up, uh, you can save 15% with promo code. Uh, just just type in ELEVATE15, it gets you a 15% off, and you receive a free digital subscription to EBJ and EHJ for an entire year to the first 2,000 people who register Um, So check it out. These 3D fun, these, oh my gosh, if I could talk and do this ending. These 3D shoots are so fun to get together with a, a group of friends and shoot these things. They really get you ready for season. They're real life scenarios. And shooting at these 3D targets, there's nothing like it. I like to get my bows all doped in by shooting it at dots and make sure that I've got everything dialed. But then my practice turns to these 3D targets and being able to pick a spot, look at angles, make a lethal kill shot. Uh, it, it's really helped me in my archery success, and I love these events. Um, so they're putting on some great ones at Mo- Mountain Archery Fest. Uh, make sure to look them up if you're interested in those. And um, I also want to thank Sika Hunting Gear. I just believe so strongly in Sika Gear. Uh, I love it. I, I've just got a system for every different... I'm going to encounter, and that's from hot weather to hunting Hawaii or antelope early season to early season mule deer hunts, which can be hot and um, can also have a lot of storms and be pretty wet, a lot of lightning uh, into October hunts and November during the rut and the cold and the snow and the wind uh, all the way through to December and then January hunts down in the desert. Uh Sitka just keeps me outfitted for all of that. Not only does it keep me outfitted for that, it keeps me outfitted for all the fly fishing I do and all these different rivers. It uh, keeps me outfitted for all the, the exterior construction work I have. It, it's just the nicest gear I have, so I end up wearing it all the time. Uh, just absolutely love Sika gear. So if you guys are in the market for a new piece, like I say, you don't need the entire system or everything they make. Sometimes just one or two additions to your hunting system uh, makes such a big difference. So thanks to those guys at Sika for their continued support. Man, I'm just so happy, you know, like... Um, the support of these sponsors, then the support of you guys on the podcast. This is what makes this thing turn and and what makes this thing go. So I'm just so fortunate, especially in these trying times that we have, where you know I can I can work from home and get podcast done and lined up. I'm fortunate that I can still work some construction here. Um, you know we're kind of quarantined, but um, some of these houses that I'm working, we're still allowed to go work on construction on these places and real limited contact with people. So. Man, I'm fortunate, but I'm riding it out like everybody else. I feel bad for my girls. I've had to cancel trips as well. Um, you know, Some work stuff and construction is canceling through. It's just tough times that we're all going to have to make it through. So we just stick together, um, keep supporting the things that we like, the things that we love, and I'm trying to do that too with my own community, with the hunting community, whatever it is, just trying to show my support. But I sure appreciate your guys' support on this podcast. Uh, man, you guys are, are so passionate and so successful, and I'm just humbled. Um, so thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And um, with that, let's wrap this thing up and, um, yeah, continue to get you guys some good podcasts coming up. We've got some good recordings. Uh, released a solo one uh, this past weekend. Um, just kind of my, my thoughts on our current state of where we're at. Um, so yeah, I'm going to continue to do these solo ones, at least one a month, if not more, I may get bored spending a lot of time at the house where I just start producing more and more podcasts. I'm so close to releasing this, this fly fishing one too. My, it's going to be, um, another passion project for me. Um, so super excited. I've got a few episodes recorded all ready to release them to you guys. So I'll get them out sooner rather than, than later. We just need to get a couple of these details finalized and, um, Should be good to go. So thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. We'll check in with you next week.